Since times before history, we've been gathering around our fires to tell stories. Join us as we play through multiple role-playing game systems, looking for one that's the perfect fit for our next campaign, and hopefully showing you some options that are out there for your own games. Welcome to the Fireside Stories. Hello, barbarians, and welcome to part two of our Numenera Fireside Story. This is Rainy. And I'm Santiago. And we are back kind of with Kane as he's approaching Cillian Basin. But before we get started, if you've been enjoying our Numenera Fireside Story so far, um, this book was gifted to us by Jesse in California. Um, and so if you want to show him some love as a thank you for letting us play this game, uh, you can definitely do that. You should check him out on Instagram at GrandPays. There's a link in the description. Um, he does kind of custom nerdy yarn craft and he takes commissions. So if you have something that you'd like custom crafted for you, you can definitely check him out as a way to say thanks for supporting the podcast because that was a really cool gift. Yeah, get yourself a yarn craft uh, Pikachu or something. So last time we met Kane as he was heading west on the fifth stretch of the Wandering Walk, heading kind of towards civilization, really. Kind of in the opposite direction of a lot of the other pilgrims sort of leaving the cities to go out in this direction. Yeah, having come in from the, the wastes and the badlands, etc., the tangled forests and whatever else. Like, you're just making up stuff that's not even out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying as a for instance. Sure. Breaking camp one morning, uh, a couple of children arrived, riding on a strange centipede-like beast, which scurried off after they dismounted from it. And it turned out that the... Children were there kind of seeking two things. One, the boy, the older of the two, was looking for someone to help him either get his sister to Cillian Basin because there was protection for her there that she needed, or to go back to his village in the false woods to help his family who were attacked by strange flying creatures. All right, and what did Kane decide to do? He decided to take um, Saria, the little sister, um, to Cillian Basin to meet the wise woman or whatever, psychic lady, um, head shrinker, brain doctor, I don't know, that she is destined to see, according to her brother, and some of the and convince some of the other travelers to help Patel with his village. Right. So you headed west with Saria in tow, um, and along the road, some of the travelers from the camp kind of had been following you and demanded you hand over the girl. So a little bit of combat ensued. Mm-hmm. Since that time, because that was our first combat, we've looked into the rules to make sure we're doing it 
better next time. But that's the whole point of these fireside stories is it's our first time in the system usually. So it gives you an idea of how easy it is to pick up or not. Um, in this case, it was, we only did one thing that needs a fixing, so it's not too bad. So you were continuing your walk to Salan Basin with Saria, who again, isn't, she seems more comfortable with you at this point, but she definitely seems distracted, um, like she can't think clearly. She complains about headaches and things like that. All right, do you have any questions before we get started? Mm. Or anything you want to refresh her on or anything like that? Not necessarily. My only point of concern is is a uh, an RP type of... Uh, point so last time i was having a hard time getting into the character especially in terms of accent and that was really bothering me so i tried to do a little work on that in in the between time and it dawned on me that part of what was tripping me up was that the concept i had for this character was kind of a a gruff kind of guy maybe with a a rough exterior, uh, anti-hero, you know, so the heart of gold type of personality for him. And so he's not much of an orator and he's not really good at talking to or persuading people necessarily. And I found him in a lot of those situations. And then on top of that, he has to deal with this, like, poor, you know, girl. So he has, like, you know, feelings of compassion and and stuff like that. He's just maybe not the best at expressing them. And so I, I was just kind of torn between these two personalities. And so I don't want it to be a jar- jarring, like, character shift when he's a little more gruff this session than he was last time. You know, it's, it's kind of a retcon. And <laughs> he's just sort of gruff the whole time. Okay. I don't think that'll be too much of a shift. You weren't necessarily the nicest person before or anything. You were pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, did not talk a whole lot. But that's... And when you did try to rouse the group, you spent effort to do that. So I think, you know, that's in line with a character who's not necessarily quite as social. Where it actually... You have to try to, like, talk to people in that regard. Yeah. I just don't want to throw anyone for a loop, like, who's this guy out of the blue or whatever, or if the voice is drastically different, you know. I don't want there to be no uh, preamble or preview to that. So I'm going to try that a little bit harder. Okay. So you are getting pretty close to the town known as Cillian Basin. And... Zillian Basin is pretty well known to travelers in this area um, because of where it is and what it offers to travelers. So Zillian Basin is kind of the western border of the fifth stretch, so this segment of the Wandering Walk. Um, Going west beyond the city, or beyond the town, it's not really a city, um, you'd go through the mountain pass called Tremble Pass, and then you'd be in kind of the more civilized section of this part of the Ninth World. Cillian mm-hmm. Basin is known for and named for a series of five small pools or basins, as they refer to them, that 
functionally create the center of the town. The town has built up around it. And these pools are known for their healing properties. They're naturally fed pools. And okay. you would know that about this town going into it. All right. It's pretty common knowledge. And then, yeah. So this is also like, uh, these are like hot springs, hot mineral springs. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. Okay. And so the road, the path really, you can kind of skirt the entrance to Cillian Basin and continue on into the pass, or you can turn south to go into town is the way that it works. So it's kind of your last stop going westward or your first stop heading east out into the wastes of the fifth stretch. Mm, Okay. Okay. So as you arrive, it's now much later in the day between walking, especially with a child Mm -hmm. in tow and the little bit of a skirmish that you had. Right. But you can see the entrance to town kind of curving away to the south. Okay. Is there any apparent uh, hubbub or guards? Is there a line? What does it look like, the entrance, I mean? Um, Well, getting closer to it, there's not really, there's no gate. Um, There's no walls around the city or around the town or anything like that. Getting closer, you can see that it's really kind of, for the most part, this sort of main thoroughfare with shops and stalls that have sprung up on either side of it. And they've kind of spread outward from the middle as they've built up this town. And as you approach, especially as the light begins to go, um, kind of start getting low over the mountains, you can see going south from you, these pools, these basins, all in a line, like pointing due south. Hmm. And you can see that each of the basins are a different color. So the first basin is red, the second one is orange, then yellow, then green, then black. Okay. Okay. Um, and you can see people, adults, children, creatures even, um, enjoying the waters of the pools, um, playing or relaxing in their depths, although they're not very deep. And as you get closer, it's easy for you to see they're about 20 feet in diameter. They're roughly circular and they seem to be about three feet deep. So people like adults can sit in them pretty easily. Children can play in them without it being any sort of danger for the most part. Um, And they seem to be free to use. And you can see kind of permanent stations of glow globes have been set up along this stretch of pools And then on either side of the basins, there are these wooden planks that have been put down to give you a dry walkway. And then all the shops and stalls are on the outside of those planks with some houses and things beyond that. Okay. So we can just walk right in. You can. No problem at Mm -hmm. all. And start looking for the, uh, the brain sign. Yeah. So as you get into town proper, you can see that pretty much all of the shops and stalls seem to have... Um, a theme of being like healing items or repair items. This is definitely a town that's really focused around the healing properties of the area. And that's really what the businesses have kind of been built to incorporate. And like I said, it's relatively bustling, 
Although you notice that a lot of the shops and stalls don't really have a lot of goods to sell. They seem pretty limited in their stock right now. Hmm. But, you know, there are people still yelling, hawking their wares, um, all offering you suggestions on things you absolutely need to make you better because you must be sick or you must be tired and weary or, you know, they're just inventing ailments that you probably have that they can sell you something for. But are you just kind of walking around and looking for this sign that you know you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, we know what the sign looks for, and we'll know the proprietor when when we see her. So she's a lady yes. named... Darvin. Darvin, that's right. Yes, so you continue down Main Street, so you pass the Red Pool, and the water, water in quotations... This pool, I mean, it looks like blood. It's like super deep red. And there are people sitting in it and relaxing. And the next one is like orange, like sunset. Okay. The next one is like the yellow one. It's super bright yellow. And then the next one is the green one, which is like the brightest leaf held up to the sun. And then you get to the black pool. And it's really weird because you'd expect the black pool, like your brain wants it to be kind of like thick or oily or something like that. But it looks like water. It's super thin, but it's inky black. Like you can't see anything past the surface. And you notice there's a group of children playing in there and splashing each other. And as they do, these long streams of impossibly like ink-like water are running down their hair and skin in these like black strange veins but they seem to be having a good time. And it doesn't appear to leave any stain. No. Nice. So this is kind of the end of the main street area. And so you're sort of looking around to see what you can see. And you're looking for, you know, a store, a Mm -hmm. sign, something very specific. And looking beyond the Black Basin, you can see it. A wooden sign that has an actual brain nailed to it with two large, thick nails. What the fuck? And from the size, it doesn't look human, but it's hard to tell. (laughs) So I was expecting maybe something crudely drawn or (laughs) at most uh, a like, you know, carved relief or something like that of of a brain. Not an actual... I wonder how often she has to refresh it. I, I wonder. I also wonder, you know, if it's a prop or something. Like, I, I start thinking, like, okay, is that just, like, you know, a sculpture of some kind that's up there and, and good marketing because it looks so realistic, you know? So I'm going to examine the sign as we approach right. to see if I can, you know, uh, discern its authenticity. Right. And you do notice as you approach, although you can certainly inspect it, there is a woman kind of leaning against the shop front under the sign. She has um, sharpened shards of metal and synth that protrude in semicircles around her eyes, the base of her nose, and at the corners of her mouth. Hmm. So she has uh, artificial spines in her face. Basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I'll have you go ahead and, I mean, like I said, you don't really know things. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can roll your intellect 
And we'll make it difficulty three. All right, here we go. Nine. All right, so you just barely made it. Just barely made it. It definitely looks like a real brain to you. Okay. But you don't know what it's from. Can I, can I reach it? Is it within arm's reach? Like if you had a little hop, maybe. Mm, okay. No, I don't want to jump up and reach it. <laughs> I wanted to reach out and maybe poke it. But if I have to, like, jump or whatever, right. then... And the woman sees you eyeing the sign. And she looks at you and she looks down at the girl. And she says, Come. I know what you seek. And she turns and goes inside the shop. All right. I, I'll assume that this is the woman that we're looking for. So without further ado, I'll follow her into her shop. Hopefully with uh, Saria in tow. Yep. She's staying really close to you. She's since you got into town, like she's been looking around very interested. You kind of get the feeling she hasn't been away from her village probably at all in her life. But she's being very quiet just kind of taking things in, not sure of what's going on. And as you enter the store, you can see the woman kind of goes behind a counter. And inside the shop, you can see tubes and wires comprising machines that seem to be sort of hodgepodge together. And she turns back to you after she gets behind the counter and she says, please, uh, I am Darwin. I specialize in illnesses of the brain. Tell me, what is your story? So I don't want to be too forthcoming with my biography, given my fugitive status. But I will introduce myself and try to shift the focus off of me onto Saria, because she's why we're here. So, uh, let's see. What would Kane say in this situation? He would say... I am Kane, and this is Saria. I have brought her here to you on orders from her brother, from a nearby village. Girl, what is the name of your village? It's the ruins. The ruins in the false woods. Yes, she is from the ruins in the false woods. Her brother was quite insistent that she come to see you. Um, I've been told she is a beal. And... Darwin's face doesn't change much, but as you're talking, you do notice that she's very focused on Saria. Okay. And she seems to nod in understanding when you mention that she's a Beal, rather than being alarmed or being, like, taken aback. Yeah. And she says, Ah, yes, I, I do have a remedy, but it needs materials from the synth garden outside of town and... That used to be a community resource. We all pulled from it to get what we needed for our healing. But a pack of broken hounds have recently taken over that area. It's kept all the healers away. I see. Okay, so she's she's treating um, Surya's condition as an ailment that needs to be cured. Well, it sounds like. She definitely hasn't given you much detail about what remedy means in this okay. case, for sure, if you wanted to ask questions. All right. What do you mean by remedy? It sounds as though she has some affliction that needs to be cut out of her. In times, that was certainly what some would ask for. In her case, and with 
things being strange as they are, I have heard that beals are having less control over what their mind is connecting to right now. I have a remedy that would help her protect her mind from intrusion, give her some peace. I see. More of a, uh, a balm rather than an uh, alteration. Uh, it would be a synthetic modification that would give her an extra layer of protection for her mind. Hmm. Please understand, Darwin, I have taken this girl under my protection. Should anything happen to her, I would take it quite personally. Is there any danger for this procedure to her? No, I've done much research on my own to make sure these things work. And she reaches up and kind of touches some of the metal on her face. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, from this time, I have certainly improved my procedure somewhat. Uh, the remedy is quite painless. Uh, the use of ciphers guarantees that it is quite comfortable to install, and once she has it, she will just gain more control. She'll have options instead of things being able to just get in her head. And especially for young ones like this, that can be very difficult. So during, during her reply, Kane has been scrutinizing her quite closely mm-hmm. to determine um, not necessarily the truth of what she's saying, but whether or not she believes everything she's saying is true. Right, and you have a skill for that, I think. I do. I'm quite adept at spotting lies and trickery and also lying and being tricksy myself. Okay. So um, Darwin is a level four character. She doesn't seem to be trying to hide anything from you, but you can't tell until you roll, right? That's true. So with your skill, that would bring it down to a level three difficulty. Is that good, or do you want to spend anything? That's fine. All right, nine or better. Fifteen. Okay. So she seems very sincere and very concerned about the girl. And kind of, she doesn't stop you from really, like, giving her the hard eye or even looking closer at the you know, the synth metal that's in her face, mm. if you wanted to do so. Right. But she kind of squats down to Saria's level. She says, darling, little Michka, are you having headaches? Are you hearing things? Saria says, yeah, that, that's sort of how it is sometimes. She says, I can help you, but not without help. And she stands back up and looks at you. And she says, as I said, the garden is dangerous right now, and I don't have the capacity to clear it to get what I need. Understand that if you choose to put yourself in this danger, clear out these hounds, get the things that I need, not only would you help Seria, but all the healers in the town would be indebted to you, and I'm sure there would be some prize for you in it. So he doesn't spend any time thinking about this. This is something he's going to do as a matter of course. Uh, he will need some things. Okay. Kane will, will nod uh, gravely, given the gravity of the situation. And he'll tell Darwin, I will secure these things for you. Just provide a list and whatever equipment I may need and point me in the right direction. 
I have told her brother that I would wait for them here for three days upon delivering the child unto you. So I will need to secure lodging for that time. That is certainly possible. Especially if you're here to help. I know you're here to help the girl, but you are helping us. So we can, we can make that happen. Broken hounds are nothing to scoff at. Otherwise, we would have cleared them already. So you may need some of that additional time that you'd be waiting for healing anyway. But he'll just nod. If you can get the things I need, four long strips of red metal and a golden pear, be warned, it gives a little bit of a shock at the touch. If you can bring me those things, I can craft something for her. And once her mind is calmed, she may be able to tell you more about what happened to her and her village. Hmm. The Synth Garden is just outside town, to the east, not along the road that you came in. You'll have to go east a bit across the bit of rocky expanse there. It's not very far from town. We're lucky the hounds have stayed in the confines of the garden for now. No one knows why they're there. We don't normally see them here. But things have been strange and dangerous lately, I think, all along this area of the walk. Again, he'll, he'll nod in agreement. So are you looking to rest up, to go at a certain time? Like, what's your, what's your plan or your approach? So he'll probably spend the rest of the day gathering information and supplies, getting all the necessary quest items. Apparently, I don't need anything special, any kind of containment or list or description or whatever. It's pretty basic what I have to retrieve. And then, um, as far as, uh, what are these, synth hounds or something? These are broken hounds. Broken hounds? Mm -hmm. I don't know where I got synth hounds from. There's a lot of synth mentioned because it's a synth garden. That's what it was. Okay. They're like their dogs playing synthesizers. Yeah. (laughs) They're 80s dogs. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Devo dogs. So, just gathering, uh, intel about... Uh, broken hounds, what I can expect, how they operate, if they have any known weaknesses, what to look out for, what they look like, how they hunt, blah, blah, all that shit. And uh, once I have all of the, you know, information gathered, how far away the uh, garden is that I'm going to, directions on how to get there, all of that, then I'll rest up for the night and I will leave uh, in the morning. Okay. Or whenever I wake up, I guess. Sure. So I'll give you a picture of what they look like because people in town would be very willing to share with you what they know about them because they want them out of the garden. They haven't been able to make new stock because they can't get supplies, basically. So from what you're able to gather, broken hounds are pack animals. Um... They look like kind of gaunt, emaciated dogs, but their heads look sort of avian rather than canine. So it looks sort of like a bird skull was put on the corpse of a dog. Gross. They usually dwell in the dry wastes kind of farther to the east. 
Um, sometimes they're seen in the mountains, but they're not really seen here very often. But there are a few of them um, from what the townsfolk have seen, which is in line with broken hounds. They move and hunt in packs, working as one to deal as much damage as they can to their prey, basically. They are motivated by hunger. And something that's known about them kind of through legend almost at this point is even those who have a great rapport with animals are unable to communicate with these creatures. They're not tameable or trainable. They're very single-minded. Well, what do they eat? What do they prey on? Flesh. They are, they are carnivorous hunters. Okay. So any kind of meat really is mm-hmm. their jam. Yep. All right. Um, but again, they do act as a pack. So something that you could use to your advantage is that if enough damage is dealt to enough members of that pack, the remainder are likely to flee when there aren't enough of them to use their tactics. Okay. That's again, if they're acting normally. Are they afraid of anything in particular, like, uh, I don't know, fire or anything like that? No one seems to be aware of them having any sort of fear of anything, as long as they're in their pack. How about scavenging, sca- scavenging, scavenging behavior? Do they, uh, will they eat meat that they haven't freshly killed? Because some animals, you know, don't, don't eat dead stuff. They do seem to be both scavengers, hunters, and opportunistic feeders. It seems like their motivation is to eat, and so they do that sort of freely. Okay. Cool. My idea is to track them to this garden and see if I can toss out some bait, leave a trap, and engage them at range at first, and then resort to, uh, you know, getting up close and dirty with them is my plan right now. Sure. Do you mention that to the townsfolk that you're talking to? Yes. Okay. And so they direct you to Stola, the, the skewer man. He's the only one in town who still has stock of meat at this point. And so heading to his stall, you can see it's basic, it's a food cart. And he has um, different varieties of meat cubes and vegetation on skewers that he kind of cooks over a flame to order. All right. I'll explain to him the situation so that I'm not just asking for, you know, uh, free meat. And I also, you know, out, out of the blue for no reason give him some context and then i'll ask him so would you be willing to provide some maybe rotten old meat that you have no other use for as bait for this errand if it would mean getting those dogs out of here i'd be more than happy to give you anything you need uh they don't want these vegetables i will take them off for you and he starts putting together a few skewers of some fresh and some less fresh options um, that you could easily put in your gear. Cool. Mm-hmm. All righty then. So bait secured. Now, can you tell me about this cipher that I have? 
I have a shock module and I have some notes about it here, yeah. but I do wonder if I can mod any weapon or if it has to be a melee weapon. It does like... have to be a melee weapon. Okay, cool. That was my question. Yeah. All right, sweet. So I'm going to mod my knife with that, but when I'm closer yeah. to the battle... Because it's a cipher, so it's a one time. Right. It only yeah. lasts for 28 hours. Yeah. So... Very specific <laughs> amount of time. Right. I mean... That's what it says in my notes, yeah. at least. No, that's, that's not what the it kind is. of shit I would make up. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's how long the battery or whatever lasts, right. I'm guessing. Exactly. And uh, so I, I'll apply that to my knife. And then what is your later. other cipher? All that kind of thing. Uh, Anti venom. So I have like a medical one. And is it specifically poison? Is that what it says? Uh, yeah. Level 1d6 plus 2 immune to. Um, like the level poisons. So I guess you ro uh, roll to determine the level mm. and it grants you immunity to that level of poisons. And I assume that level and lower, I mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, only sense. for that one. Right. <laughs> right. Level, level one poison. You're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> poison forever. <laughs> poison because everyone. Yeah. All right. All right cool. <laughs> so it gives you the meat skewers uh, and wraps them in this kind of synth clear synth material that crinkles slightly. He's like, let's make sure your bag does not get messy. Connie will nod his thanks to the meat vendor. Mm-hmm. All right. So you have been through kind of the machinations of Darwin, been set up in one of the traveler's inns that's in town. Um, and you've been given a nice room and everything. It's... There's a relatively soft bed. There are some restorative waters left in your room for you and things like that for washing and drinking, and they're labeled appropriately. <laughs> now, I, I assume I left uh, Saria in uh, Darwin's care. Yes, she did tell you that Saria would need some preparation and time with the ciphers to make sure she was ready for anything to be installed. And so she said she would you know, keep her well and safe and fed until you could bring back the materials. Cool. No point in sending her out in an area with broken hounds. Right. You rest up. I don't think you took any damage in the last fight, though, right? Mm, no, I don't have any marked, no. Okay. I, yeah, I don't think they were able to hit you. You were doing a ton of dodging. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to roll anything to, like, recover or anything like that. Cool. All right. The next morning, you wake up pretty early, as is your habit. Um, and you know from the information you gathered that the Synth Garden is not very far outside town. It's just to the east. And as you head there, you do have a good vantage point to see that it does look somewhat like a traditional garden built in these long rows. And some of the rows look like they have actual organic material, um, flowering plants, herbs, other things that look like edible fruits and things like that. And then other rows have things growing, but the things that are growing look synthetic. Hmm. Okay. And from a distance, you can see a bit of movement in the garden, which may be these hems that they've been talking about. 
All right, so you are a decent distance away from the garden still. Like I said, you can see some slight movement, but you can't make out exactly what they are. I wanted to stop here to give you an opportunity to let me know kind of what you want to do. I'm not just going to have you walk into the middle of it, unless <laughs> that's your plan. No, I want to uh, set, I want to lay my trap and then, um, and then back away, you know? So if they're hunting me then okay that then, <laughs> then that situation is whatever but if they're cautious like most predators tend to be then they're probably going to want to like watch and stalk and all that kind of thing for a while and then get into uh you know maybe actually hunting me so i'm just going to go in to maybe the uh near the edge of the garden, maybe where there's a clear view looking back to where I go, okay, if I lay my trap, my bait here, then I can retreat to over there and have a good vantage point with obvious approach points by quadruped type of dog looking things um, from this direction and that direction. And that should be pretty defensible. So um, it makes the most sense to set my bait, you know, right here. Having determined that, mm -hmm. hopefully, sure. I would like to uh, apply my shock module to my knife. Okay. Um, put my various gear that I don't need to necessarily take with me to the, the trap site back at my, my rally point. Man. And with my knife and my bow and the bag for the bait and that's also what i'll stuff the uh red metal and the pear in when i eventually hopefully am successful right uh i'll head down to the spot where i intend to lay my trap my right. bait so one of the things i would like you to do is you know just to make sure you can get in without being noticed which I feel like would be a speed check. Yeah, right? that makes sense. So I need, this is going to be difficulty two, standard difficulty. Um, so six or better on your dice roll, unless you want to adjust that. Uh, that's fine. And we also have to talk about having the, uh, the spidey sense up and running. Okay. <laughs> oh, six. Okay. So yeah, not as quiet as you want to be. And, and mostly because as you get closer, you actually see a couple of the broken hounds. And it changes the way you approach the garden a bit because it seems like they navigate by smell. Looking at them, their eyes are hollow. They look very skull-like. And you can see them kind of with their beak-like protrusions in the air, sort of waving their heads, trying to follow scents. Um, but you are able to evade them and, and set up in a good area without them noticing you right away. Um, and you do notice as you get closer, there do appear to be about six of them here kind of roaming the garden. Usually at least a few of them are always together at any given time. And you notice that some of them have heads like vulture skulls and some like raven skulls. It seems to be like a mishmash of giant bird heads on these corpse-like dog bodies. That's actually really cool. Take note, owl bear. 
yeah, right. <laughs> oh, your cute, fluffy bird mammal. Try being this gross, corpsey one. I think of them a lot like the creature from Annihilation. The bear. Yeah. Yeah, they, they the look like the bear. the bear from Annihilation. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, and maybe you're not even intending to watch the movie because it's too scary or whatever, or who knows, you can just YouTube that scene. Don't do it. It's worth it. No, don't. It's horrible. It, <laughs> it's exquisitely fucked up and amazing. Super gory and terrifying and horrible, but... If you're into that kind of shit, it's amazing. If it gives you nightmares and you don't need that in your life, then by all means avoid yeah, it entirely. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a masterpiece of cinema, in my opinion. Yeah. It's um it handles that otherworldly, like almost Cthulhu style like horror really well. Right. Where like it's you know, it's supposed to be indescribable. Mm-hmm. And showing that in film has historically been very difficult. Right. So you, like I said, you're able to get into a good corner that will be very visible from back where you kind of left your things um, so that you can approach with a ranged weapon first. Because that was your plan, right? Yeah, it was to uh, find that good spot to lay the bait where it's clear view and then retreat back to someone where I could snipe them, hopefully. But when I'm laying the bait also like, you know, smooge it up and smash it around and all that kind of thing. Um, I don't know that I would have thought to like uh, have gloves or whatever. Because I don't necessarily want the scent on me. Right. You know. Well, I it is it wrapped to be in that. there. Yeah. So I'll like smooge it up in that stuff. Billion and, like, year old plastic because it doesn't yeah, biodegrade. Throw it down. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's it's been subducted <laughs> underneath into the Earth's mantle and then come back out. The yeah, <laughs> it's been ocean floor and it has been mountain peak and it is still plastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's probably out. Actually, happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All so right. yeah, I mean, you can use that as a way to kind of make a barrier between your your skin and the the meat. Cool, and wad it up and throw it away. Let the circle be unbroken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you get back to your, I mean, sniping position, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And you wait for a while. And over the course of the next few minutes, um, as the hounds seem to make their rounds of the garden, you notice a small group of them seem to catch the scent of the bait. And instead of going straight for it, they lift their heads and call for the rest of the group. Nice. And so there's this strange sort of bird-like chambered sort of noise. Um, it's quite, it's a little disturbing. And it, the call is returned from the far side of the garden, and pretty soon all six of them are heading over to the meat pile. So I've, I've counted six. Yes. Okay. This is good to know. I have four arrows. So I have to make every single shot count. Right. And because it's for the last two, it's uh, going to be, you know, up close and personal. So. True. Unless, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's no, there's no real option. So, yeah. All right, cool. The point is I'm going to be waiting for really clear, clean shots. And focusing all of my effort on every arrow <laughs> that I send for sure. four shots. Yeah. So. 
Okay. So, they don't know you're there because you made your speed check. So it's up to you when you want to start the encounter. As soon as I have a clear shot, I'm going to take it. I have my arrows stuck in front of me in the in the dirt or otherwise laid out on the, you know, rock outcropping or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. I have them all set up so that I can snatch out one and, you know, aim very carefully and send it and then repeat that process for each careful shot. Now, what's really cool is when I take out my bow. That is the coolest because this is the debut of the bow and I spent a lot of time thinking about this bow. Yeah, is it called so. Le Bow? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know. Is it, it called Remy Le Bow? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> if it was called Remy Le Bow, I would not have picked it up. You would have broken it? I would have lit name. it on fire and thrown it off a cliff. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Continue. That's, that's okay. So it's awesome because it's it's basically just a riser and i guess what i mean by that it's like the handle part of the bow that you hold on to and it has the part where the arrow rests on the handle part of you know a normal bow and beams that that come up to either side of that and then there's really no limbs or anything that are apparent at all and when he actuates it, it basically turns it on. All of these things kind of snap out. So like from either end of the riser at an angle tour to its, you know, long axis, some limbs kind of snacked out of it, kind of like Wolverine claws, not in terms of shape, but the sound they make when they snap into place. And then limbs unfurl and snap into place and a string zips down and wraps with itself and snaps into place all in one like quick motion when he takes out this uh, riser and actuates it and you can tell that there's not a lot of energy storage in the limbs it's more of the the string is sort of one continuous loop so it's a almost a spring mechanism type of thing and it's very very technical very very high tech it's a it's a cyber bow yeah it's it's more an arrow launcher than a bow (laughs) but it has the the shape and you know you look at it and you're like oh it's a bow this is a this is a weapon that mankind has been using since prehistory you know but but this is the you know, ultimate evolution of that technology. Yeah. You may take a shot if you'd like. Um, Broken Hounds are level two. So by default, you need to roll six or better. But you can let me know if you're making any adjustments or using any skills or any special attacks or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not using any special attack, but I am making every uh, arrow count. So because you do have your piercing attack option. Oh, that's right. If you want to use it. I'm not saying you have to, but I'm just reminding you. And that's not that that's not a uh, a one-shot sort of thing. I can do that each time as long as I pay one speed. Yeah, it has a cost. So yeah. as long as you feel comfortable spending points, up to you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I necessarily want to add more damage. Um, I do want to ensure that I hit. So... I'm going to spend some effort 
to lower the difficulty of my roll. Okay. You can do both if you want to. Yeah, I want some speed left over for when I have to dodge these guys, if necessary, fighting hand to hand. I'm, you know, I'm not going all out right off the bat. So, okay. so spending effort. Oh, okay. Also, when do you get your pools back? Is so it after a rest or recovery whatever? Recovery works a little bit differently than rests in D&D. The, you can see how there's some similarities. So you have opportunities for recovery over the course of a day. Okay. The first time is kind of like a second wind sort of thing. You can do it pretty much in a, a combat round if you needed to, like that five to ten seconds. Mm-hmm. And you roll 1d6 plus your tier. So 1d6 plus one for you. And you get that much back. And you can split it into however many pools you want. Okay. Okay. After that... You have to take a 10-minute breather to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you need to take like an hour or so because you're starting to get worn down. And after that, you need to do like the equivalent of a long rest, like getting a full 8 to 10 hours of of relaxation in. Okay. And then it resets back to the second wind sort of thing. So the idea is within a day, you can use those different recovery points. All right. So... The reason I ask is I still have six out of nine in my intellect pool because I spent three on my rousing speech sure. to my traveling band. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if I would have or could have oh, yeah. recovered those since. Yeah, because you would have been able to spend, to do all four rolls over the course of the last day, and especially because you rested at the end. So let's just give you those back because it's okay. it's not going to make much of it. Right. Yeah. I'm like, not that I'll necessarily need it, but it's good to know what I will need because I might need to do the 1d6 plus one in a like quick, like, you know, hide behind a tree while it like sniffs after me or something if I'm all out of, you know, speed or whatnot. Right. Okay. So what am I, what am I going to have to spend here, um, on my, uh, from my speed pool, I'm assuming, so you're spending a level of effort, right. which is normally three points, mm-hmm. but you have an edge for speed, right? Yes. So it's two points instead. Okay. So like I said, you could spend all three points and still get the piercing attack, or you can just spend the two and get the effort. Okay. Well, let's see how it does on the first one. So let's take my speed pool from 17 down to 14, and that's going to lower the roll difficulty... Um, by one. Right, right, which means you have to roll three or better. And it's gonna, if it hits, it's going to do plus one damage. If I it, understand piercing. If you use your piercing, yeah. Right, I did. I spent mm-hmm. three points. Okay. So that's two for effort and one for pierce. And your bow's medium weapon, right? Yes. So normally it does four damage. Correct. So it would do five. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Hang on. Let me open the calculator app. On the <laughs> <computer>. <laughs> All right. So here we go. First shot. 13. Okay, that's higher than 3. That is more than 3. Hang on, let me open the calculator app. <laughs> yeah, is there a less than or greater than option so I know if it's bigger? Um, so you are able to easily line up a good target for your attack with one of your synth arrows um, as they start to feast on the, the pile of meat that you've left there. And your arrow is light, but it's very strong. And it goes right in behind the shoulder. Um, It looks like a pretty grievous wound. And that hound 
yelps, and then caws, it starts to, the whole group kind of turns towards your location, and they start to run at you. And the one that you hit is lagging behind the others quite a bit. It seems to be limping pretty dramatically. Okay. And you can hear it kind of gasping in its call as it runs. Nice. Okay. So I will note that one of them has taken five damage. So they are going to spend this round running towards you. Okay. They run well in short bursts. So you think you have another arrow you can get off before they're going to be in range. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So what would you like to do? I'm going to do the same thing on another target. So a different one? Yes. Got it. And just like that, I'm down to 11 speed. Ooh. Okay. Here we go. All right. <laughs> I rolled a two. So against all odds, <laughs> I did not make my shot. You didn't botch, though. <laughs> true. True. All right. So you bring the arrow up. You're trying to get it lined up, and, like, the tension from the string makes the arrow sort of wander off the riser a little bit and stuff like that. Uh, it's been a while since you've used LeBeau. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and so you're getting everything corrected, and you think you'll be able to get a shot off, maybe if you want to, right as they reach you, but cool. they're going to get an attack in first. And All then right. you'll probably want to switch to your melee weapon after that. Sounds good. Okay. So they get in and that's right. I don't roll anything. I have to get dice. <laughs> I would like you to roll. It's six or better to mm -hmm. dodge away from their attack. They seem to move as one. So you're really only dodging like one creature functionally. Yeah. You get a little, uh, they little, clever girl to you. Little bow foo in yeah. here. All right. All right. Six exactly. All right. It's difficult looking at six animals as one thing. But that's really how you have to think about them to move out of the way of this attack. Um, and so you sort of stumble back a few paces, just enough for you with that arrow already on the riser to probably... Get that off if you wanted to. Yeah, okay. already knocked. Okay, cool. So, dang, that is eight. Whew. I'm using all of my speed pool oh. here. All right, so we're going to try for my third and final arrow. I mean, I have one laying around somewhere, but we'll see. This is still just your second arrow. Oh, because you didn't get to launch that one. You failed. So I had you just oh, spend too long on corrections. Oh, actually shoot yeah. it. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, I, no I, didn't, I didn't know. Okay, six. Luckily, I lowered the difficulty. Otherwise, I would have just tied it. Well, you can... It's tie or better. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Okay. Since I lowered and the you, difficulty you on it. Yes. And you said it was a, to a different one, right? Right. Okay. Noted. So now two of them, almost like a, a bellows with a hole in it, you can hear sort of a vague whistle as those two call as part of the group. You in the industry, in, them. <laughs> in the industry, we call that a sucking chest wound. <laughs> those in, are, in the chest wound industry. In the chest wound industry. <laughs> yeah. Those are the 
open sucking kind. <laughs> Not right. really. I guess they have a an arrow in them, so they're just a, a regular one. Okay. Right. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> so these creatures seem to have... Can I just know what your might pool is so I have an idea of what I'm working with as far as you dying? My might pool is 16. Okay. And it's full. Okay. They, even with a couple of injured members have seemed to really figure out the way you move. Mm. And you see them sort of tightening their formation as they come at you, bro. Okay? Okay. So when you dodge this time, it's much more difficult. Mm-hmm. This, we're treating them now as a single level four creature. Okay. Which means 16 or better. All right. Unless you want to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to uh, bring that under control here. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you handling that through your speed or are you handling that by like physically blocking like with your weapon? That would be more of a might sort of blocking mechanism. How are we spending points on this? Um, let's see here. So can you use might to uh, increase damage in this system? Is that a thing or is it only as a defensive kind of... So you mechanism. can use might as a way to spend effort with attacks that use might. Right. Um, you can also, because remember in your glaive, you chose your special attacks. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more might focused and right. you chose ones that are a little bit more speed focused. True. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that is true. Cause I just have uh, unarmed here. You're so great. I'm going to have to rely on brute force. I think. A little bit for the defense. You yeah, sure. Uh, speed for the offense. So okay, uh, is what well, we're gonna look. Your at. unarmed strikes probably use your might. Okay, right, because you're just like throwing your weight into it and stuff like that. Right, it's like yeah, it depends on what type of unarmed yeah. strike. I guess you, you could be doing for, some but... yeah, like wushu stuff. Right. More speed. Like, yeah, you, you could do some like the Wing Chun style shit, yeah. or you could do some more, you know, Western boxing style stuff that's more, yeah. you know, I mean, there's speed elements and all that kind of right. stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to put yeah. some power. So I guess what I'm trying to it. ask is for avoiding this attack, what are you doing so we know what pool it comes out of if you want to spend effort? Um, let's, let's dodge using speed okay. so that we can counter attack. All right. Hopefully. And do you want to spend effort on that? Yes. Okay. So you may spend two points. Okay. And that will lower the difficulty so that you must roll nine or better. Okay. Which is better. Yeah. That's in uh that's in the realm of possibility oh, here. I said it wrong before. Cause I was thinking about scores. It would be 12 or better. If you reduce it, it's now nine or better. Got it. Okay. Okay, that makes yep. sense. Yeah. All right. Here we go. We're hoping for a nine or better. Mm -hmm. Another two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This attack is devastating. Devastating. Um, the hounds break off to sort of get your attention. Like I said, they're clever girling you right now. Mm -hmm. And then one of them in the lead clamps its beak-like protrusion over your arm that's holding the bow riser. Oh, okay, yeah. And you notice that 
although it's beak-like, there are these like kind of toothy ridges inside of it. Nice. And from its mouth comes the scent of decay. Gross. Um, and you take eight points of damage from your might pool. All right. Cool. Um, is that counting my light armor? No. Score so, of one? Yeah, so you'd subtract one, so it's seven points. So my might pool... That's how we didn't know how to do last time. <laughs> my might pool is down to nine. Yeah. Out of 16. I can't seem to write a nine right now <laughs> to save my life. You can bring there up the calculator. Go. See what it looks like. Yeah, let me open the calculator okay. app. <laughs> <laughs> it is your turn. All right. Sweet. So I think I'm going to have to start hack and slashing with, uh, with my knife. My long knife. Okay. With your cipherized knife. Yeah. Okay. It has the, uh, the shock module. True. On it. Yes. And it does plus one electrical damage. So who knows if that makes any difference. Right. Okay, cool. So let's start stabbing some hounds. Now, I'm not really being too picky. Mm -hmm. If there's one with an arrow sticking out of it nearby, great. If not, that's cool too. You know, whichever one is uh, most readily available. Two of them are obviously damaged. It's up to you if you, like, want to work for those. Because you do know that if you can take enough of them out, the rest of them will likely flee. Okay. Because they do work as a pack. Yeah, if I can spot one with an arrow, I'll attack that one. Okay. And is your knife... Your knife is a light weapon, right? Um, My knife is a light weapon, yes. Okay, cool. Good to know. So, it is interesting. I'm going to see if this shock module you know, does any, uh, has any effect, you know? Sure. On the thing. And if not, I'll probably abandon it, like leave it stuck into the thing, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, because I actually hit harder with my fist and foot and head and elbow and knee than, um, than you do with your knife. Than I do with my modified knife. But your knife is easier to use. Also so true. the difficulty will be lower oh, nice. when you use your knife compared to your fists or your bow. Okay. Because well, since your fists that, are yeah. now a medium weapon, true. they're a little harder to use. They are? I did not know that. I thought they hit harder, but were not They're treated as a medium weapon, so mm-hmm. you have a standard, you do your standard attack roll, uh-huh. and you do more damage. Right. Because you are, like, putting more into it. Okay. Using your knife, it's going to be difficulty one instead of two to get an attack in. Oh, Okay. So that means three or better. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They're really hard to dodge now, but they're still normal to attack. Okay. Okay. And it is doing three damage, whereas the other kind does four. So, right. you know, there's that. Hmm. Now I'm running a little low on my, my pools here. So I don't know that I want to add pierce. Not you can't because it's not ranged. Oh, pierce is only for ranged. Right. Okay, didn't know that. Yeah. Here we go. All right, five. Okay, so that is enough. Since you're using a light weapon. Just barely gets there. If you're using your fists, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and so um, you can tell from the beak shape. It's that vulture-looking one. Mm -hmm. This is the first one that you struck with an arrow. Okay. 
Um, and you, as soon as your knife touches, you see the arcs of electricity kind of fly across into the creature. And then you dig your blade in and kind of leap back, you know, avoiding their retaliation at that point. And that, with like a kind of hissing sound, that creature drops to the ground and this dark oozing fluid starts to seep from the wounds. It appears to be down. Man, these things are gross. All right. And it's their turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's still enough of them that they are acting as one level four creature, which is 12 or better to dodge. Right. Okay. Or to avoid the attack. Right. So let's try really hard to dodge their attack. All right. So, you speed efforting? Yes. Okay. So two points. Two points. Down to four. Okay. All right. Here we go. Just don't get to zero. Seven. Okay. Because you lowered it down to two. level three. Right. Which would be... Nine. Nine or better. Yeah. All right. So I still, still get hit, but, you know... So you take seven more damage because of your armor. Got that it. negates one of the points. Okay. All right. Down to two out of 16. I don't know that I can take any more hits. I will tell you, if you take out one more of them, they can't do that big attack anymore. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. There won't be enough of them to coordinate. All right. Right. So, it is your turn. There is one more injured one left. All right. And based on your last attack and the type of damage the knife is doing, you think if you can get a hit in, that it will go down. Okay. Okay. Cool. So that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna try for. Okay. So again by default that is six or better. Okay. Let's spend another two points of speed. Ensure that we hit this thing. Alright. So we're lowering it down to two, right? No, they're at two. So if you're lowering it, you're lowering it to one, which is three or better. Got it. Okay. Yep. Here we go. Alright. Seven. Alright. So once again, you kind of let the air out of it <laughs> and leap back. And you can see the group is starting to get a little bit more chaotic and dispersed. They're losing their sort of pack ability to maneuver around you. Um, things are getting a little, little not so great for them. <laughs> All right. It's a tough fight, but... Well, you're a solo character. This is actually going... Because I haven't changed this encounter at all. So this is a group encounter. Nice. You're doing it solo. That broken hand. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We really need to get pet profiles up on the Patreon page. All right. That was your attack. They're starting to get a little bonkers. Mm -hmm. So now, when you dodge, it's not the hard dodge. Um, They're not acting as a pack in the same capacity, so you just need six or better default. Okay. Okay? Cool. Now, you can still choose to lower that if you want to get into dangerous levels with your pools. Oh, I am. (laughs) Just remember, don't go to zero with any of your pools. Oh, never mind. I only have two in each of my pools, so I can't do any more pool stuff. Okay. At least, at least not with miter speed. I can try talking to them, I guess. Okay. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it will be a waste. I, I can I can try really hard to, to like convince them to go away. So six or better is what I need. Oh, because they're attacking, so I'm dodging. Yep. All right, here we go. 
14. Taking advantage of the chaos in the group, you're easily able to move out of the way of these individual now. They feel much more like just dodging dogs in the street of a city. Um, you're just moving away from them, kind of weaving, moving a bit unpredictably. This is something that's more manageable to you, for sure. All right, and it is your turn. You know, based on the chaos you're already seeing, if another one of these hounds goes down, you're golden. All right. They're probably not going to be able to fight you anymore. Just have to drop 50% of them, and the remaining three will run away. All right. Hang on, let me open the calculator app. Okay. Uh, so I can do... Do you want to do one of your recoveries? Oh, yeah. Let's do a recovery. Okay. Cool. That's 1d6. 1d6 plus 1. <laughs> 1. <laughs> oh, no. So 2. Hooray. <laughs> you may put 2 points wherever you would like. Uh, and you can split them if you want to. <laughs> and put 1 and 1. I mean... Nah, I'm going to put them both in might. So okay. I'm going to go from two to four in might. Okay. That way I can, you know, I don't know, stand a chance maybe of soaking a, a hit or something. I don't know. Okay. Uh, cool. Sweet. So I'll run away a little bit, take a breather, you know, that, that sort of deal. Um, hmm. I mean, if I could, well, no. All right. I was wondering, like, I could run all the way to where my arrows are and have a chance of getting a shot off. Sure. Make a speed check to see if you can get that far. Because you are faster than they are over longer distances. 18. Yes. Absolutely. And with an 18, that is a special roll. I will say, if you <laughs> want, because your roll is so good, mm -hmm. you can run... And sort of, you can, you know, elf do, action this, where you can lift up an arrow and get everything do set. some Do some Hawkeye type shit? Right. Okay. I mean, you gotta, you gotta work real hard to keep that guy relevant. Did you see the uh, Endgame trailer? They gave him a freaking mohawk. Yeah. They're like, look at how cool he is now, guys. He didn't get dusted. He's rad now. <laughs> He's super awesome. Oh, spoilers, by the way. Jeremy Renner with a mohawk. Yeah, Hawkeye's not a dumb hero. He's Mohawkeye. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> he's leveled up to Mohawkeye. Yeah, he's digivolved. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He, he was less Hawkeye when he was like wearing a flannel and playing catch with his kid. But yeah. Yeah. And he got serious. He's anyway. Hawk dead. No, he's <laughs> Mohawkeye. So Kane will dash towards an arrow mm -hmm. that he sees glinting in kind of silvery light because sure. it's all cybery matches the bow dash towards it leap across grab it up knock it draw as he's spun back around take aim and loose all right and that does one. four damage right yes Your bow okay i mean unless i tried to uh pierce with it but that would be spending one speed and I don't have two speed. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, let's go for this. So one more of them seems very, very hurt. Okay. okay? Um, with that attack. And so I need you to go ahead and roll. Remember, six are better to dodge their bitey bites. Oh, okay. So we're counting my speed roll as like the whole attack, the dash, the attack, yeah. the, all that. Oh, mm -hmm. nice. Okay. Because you rolled an 18. Otherwise, Kick not ass. so much. All right. So six are better to dodge. Six are better to dodge. 
Dodge the Doge. Eleven. Whew. Okay. I nice. was I was sweating, G. Yeah, because you could have died in this room. In this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That could have killed me. Because they still do four damage, even when they're not doing the crazy attack. That's enough. I know, right? I mean, that would have that would have reduced me to zero. Yeah. So All I don't right. know what happens, but. So, you now have an opportunity to attack. They are now back in melee range. So up to you how you want to approach this. Okay. Well, I still have my knife, and it's it's pretty interesting, you know, how he's shooting his bow and stabbing with his knife and and everything all at once. I kind of I kind of feel like it's a little rule bendy to do that because a bow is like a two-handed weapon. But as any archer knows, if you have something light enough, like another arrow or perhaps, you know, a knife that isn't a big, giant, heavy, like, bowie or something. Right. You can hold something between your last two fingers and your palm while having your other two fingers available to draw your bow. Yeah, I kind of figured that's what you were doing, is either holding it against the riser or mm -hmm. holding it in your arrow hand. Yeah, so he's he's holding his knife with those last two fingers while he's you know drawing the the bow and, and sending arrows, and then for knife melee attacks, spinning it around for stabs and slashes and what have you. So. Stab his stabs. All right. right. Six or better to hit a creature. All right. With your oh wait no because it's in your knife right. Yes. Three or better to hit the creature. All right. Come on, street justice. Fifteen. All right, that's enough. With another gasp and a kind of sound of the electric force making contact go leaping across from the knife to the creature, um, things go silent for a moment as this third creature from the group drops to the ground. And you can see the remaining three sort of get low into the grass and start to slink back and then make this sort of like eagle-like yipping call as they turn and run. Um, Not back to the garden, but away from the garden and back towards the east. All right. All right. Successfully chased them off. You have done it. Barely. (laughs) Just barely. You did it, though. I didn't. Obviously, I can't fudge dice rolls. Because you roll all the dice. I know. So you did it. That's awesome. Legit. You get you get a much richer sense of accomplishment when you don't know if your DM is rolling, looking at it, and going, mm, shit. See, I was going to use an like... intrusion if the fight was too easy for you. Mm-hmm. But it, obviously it wasn't, so I'm not going to do the intrusion at this point. <laughs> it was um, close, though. It, it's yeah. not like it was easy. I didn't just wade through the shit. Like, no. All right, that's cool. That was a tough fight. So okay. I was looking at my recovery pools here, right? Yes. I have 1d6 plus. Yes. Which I put a check mark next to because I did that already. So right. you've done your first recovery. You want to do your second one now, right? Yeah. So that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I have a box that's 1d6 plus. So I'm assuming that's referring to the 1d6 plus uh, tier right. that I did already. Mm-hmm. Then I have one that says one action. Then right. 10 minutes, one hour, 10 hours. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to do the one action one. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, cool. So I just put a check mark next to that. And then what does that do? Is it the same thing? It's the same or? role every time. It's just the idea that the more often you try to do it within a day, the mm-hmm. harder it gets to recover. Okay. So every time takes a little bit longer for you to handle it. Cool. Well, this time is three. So, so that's four. better. Right. 
You have four points to put wherever you want. Okay, let's bring the might pool back up to six. It's a good idea. And a speed pool up to five. Okay. Do you want to take an additional rest? Yeah, I mean, let's do the 10 minutes one. What yeah. the hell? I mean, it's 10 minutes, right? Right. It's like, fine. What the hell? I'm not going <laughs> to see if there's any meat that they didn't eat. <laughs> see if I And so for you, like recovery works a little bit differently because of the way you changed. Two. So it's another three points. Um. Right. So instead of just like resting and kind of bandaging yourself, there's a little bit of that. But you also have your tools out. And you're doing some repairs right? to your internal mechanisms. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know how much narrative control I have over that process or whatever, but it's not like I have a bag full of like, you know, nuts and bolts and gears and gizmos and stuff like that. It's more like injectables and sprays and that sort of stuff as opposed to like actual hardware spare parts because it's it it would be because all of his stuff is subcutaneous right Right. so it would be more a matter of like cleaning the wound out you know and then like spreading it open with a little spreader you know spraying on some whatever and like like you know (laughs) injecting some like stuff in there because it's still spare parts but it's more like nano type of spare parts yeah i'm okay with that is what i had in mind now if if it has to be like it has to be obviously something that wouldn't work on a people is the thing yeah yeah that's the thing it's like a tube of like you know for lack of a better descriptor, what looks like thermal paste when you're installing a CPU oh, okay. in a computer. Sure. Because it's it's a metallic toothpaste looking stuff. Okay. You know, because it's it's like nanobots in this like um, suspension of, you know, antiseptic type of whatever. Because it's a melding of bioorganics and nano mesh type of stuff right it's it's just it's cybernetic but it's on the um you know uh cellular level as opposed to you know one like a giant spare part right is all i was thinking yeah that's fine it just it's something that has to be apparent if someone saw you doing it Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, when he's, like, working, like, let's say he's working on an arm or a leg or, like, a, a, a chest part. Right. You know, there's, like, clamps and stuff that, like, spread it open. Right. And there's all these, like, tendrils and fibers of glowing, like, fiber optic looking shit under there. Right. And, and right now, like, you're pretty lucky you're out there by yourself because with all the effort you've expended and all the damage you've taken... You're glowing all over the place. Oh, right now. Ab- absolutely! Yeah. Like if, I, if it's nighttime by now, I mean I'm lighting up the the clearing, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. But like I said, you know there there's the the wound spreaders or whatever those are called in surgery. Those mm-hmm. things that you kind of ratchet open and it yeah. spreads it open. And there's all the tendrils of fiber optic looking stuff in there that are kind of reaching out towards each other to to try to knit, but you know. Which they, I figure they would do, given time. Right. You know, if I rested up for like a week, it would heal itself. Right. But to accelerate that, there's the like spray of metallic type of looking disinfectant and everything that's conditioned to the uh, cybernetic nature of my anatomy now. Hmm. And then you, you put on this like, this squeezy tube. That it, it's like a... Um, 
like a syringe, but with a, a fatter nozzle, you know, almost like you're doing some really, like frosting. And when he squeezes it out in contact with the air, it expands out like that foam type of shit. And, right. But it's all metallic and kind of writhing and glowing and all that. And, mm-hmm. Uh, this would actually be super bad if you put this on a fully organic wound because the idea is it eats away the flesh that's like damaged and clears a path for new flesh to mend with the uh, cybernetic components right. and all that. So you've taken you've taken ten to kind of get your equipment out and make some repairs to the deeper wounds. So that they won't get any worse at this point. Did you want to take any additional time or do you want to go into the garden? I'll go into the garden. All right. Despite the odds, you have succeeded in securing the garden. You walk through the rows and you find plants that seem to match the description that you were asked for. Okay. There is a row of plants that produce leaves made of long red metal. Nice. And so you gather those strips as requested, I assume? Yes. Now, point of clarification here, just real sure. quick. I would have tried to gather as many of my precious four arrows as I could have. Oh, yeah. Before heading into the garden. Yeah, you can get wanna... all four because all right. you didn't botch or anything on any right. of those. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, cool. So I still have my four arrows that I have collected. Cool, cool, cool. Went into the garden. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Went into the garden, found my four strips of red metal. Yes. Okay. Or at least I found the plants. Right. Well, yeah, you can harvest them. There's smell. And then they strike your hands. Right. I mean, you know, I feel like they would have warned me. She did warn you about the pears. (laughs) Right. They they give you a a slight shock when when you pluck a pear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and then you find a small bush that it looks like um, a lot of its fruit have been scavenged by critters. But there are a couple of golden pear-like fruits still on it. Okay. Would you like to harvest one? Yes. Going to steal myself. So kind of like every morning when I get to work, I take off my jacket and I know I've built up a lot of static. Right. And before I turn on my monitors <laughs> i'm like i have to build up the nerve to like reach out and touch it because i know it's gonna like zap and oh, sometimes yeah. i try to touch the metal part of the cubicle to ground it out but it doesn't always work so it's kind of like that where i'm like oh, dang it i know this is gonna suck and then just reach out and try and snatch a pair you know sure all at once yeah so you do it there's a little bit of a shock but it's nothing it's not damaging or anything. It's just unpleasant, like any static sort of electricity shock is. Okay. It's like when you touch the light switch here in the winter. Oh, right. It's the worst. It's like when you touch anything here. It's when you touch a cat here <laughs> in, the in the winter. winter. <laughs> <laughs> it's when, like when you touch a person. It cuts down on hair gel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so much volume. All right. Um, but you find everything you're looking for, and it appears that the garden is now secure. Um, and the townsfolk should be quite happy about that. Cool. Can I bring back the uh, vulture head of the broken hound uh, that I'm going to decide was the alpha of sure. the pack <laughs> to bring back to the townsfolk as proof of completion? Yeah. So you are able to harvest the head from the creature. And as you do, again, kind of like I described, it does seem, although... 
Definitely not in this era. These things were definitely engineered at some point. And so it's almost simple to pull apart that seam where dog body meets bird head. Okay. It's very strange. Yeah, man. Somebody had a bad trip. All right. And so you pull off the head, you have all of your harvestables. Is there anything else you'd like to do before you head back to town? Unless there's anything in this garden that stands out as, you know, valuable or extremely useful that I could easily harvest and bring back as a bonus. Like, oh, and I brought back this bushel of, you know, um, cerulean grapes or whatever. Right. So let's say... Because I don't really know stuff. It would just be like, hey, that's shiny and glowy and maybe useful. I (laughs) I would say this would normally be difficulty three, like kind of knowing what's worthwhile to harvest. But you don't know things, right. so it's difficulty four. Yeah. So 12 or better. Perfectly fair. See if I can spot anything that looks like I might want to bring back. 19. Wow. All right. Yes, you actually find something that you've actually seen before in markets where you know it is very valuable. And you think, actually, if you bring this into town, you could have someone craft you something. Nice. That could be used because okay. your role is so good. All right, let me let me turn the page in my handy dandy notebook here. You're such a nerd. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hell yeah! I mean, don't you know? Don't be kidding. That's a that is quite the compliment. Thank you. I'll take it. No, I mean I didn't mean it in a mean way. Oh, I like that you take notes. That's annoying in some games sometimes, where I'm like, let me give you this cool information, and then nobody remembers it ever. Probably because I say it like that is the problem. Probably because you don't say it like that. Oh, yeah, I should say it like that. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, watch out, guys. Here's a thing you should remember. Healy fruit plus one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a perfectly glossy red small apple. Ooh, okay. A wax apple. All right. <laughs> cool. All right. I'm just going to put Healy fruit plus one. Yeah, and hopefully fine. we remember what the hell that yeah, means when, sure. when we're back at it. <laughs> All right. So you head back into town. Once again, it's starting to get dark. You took time to get out there, time to fight, time to heal, searching through the rows. Cause this is a sizable garden right. to find what you're looking for. And then to identify an additional thing to pick up on your way. And as you get back into town with this, like, this giant bird head, like, this thin layer of skin stretched over it. And you've talked to a lot of the shopkeepers to try to get information to go out on your way. So everyone sort of recognizes what you've just come back from and what you've done. And so people are kind of not accosting you, but, I mean, they're kind of bothering you along your way, like, oh, make sure to sit in the hot pools tonight and... Uh, we'll make sure to bring these things to your room so that you can recover, like, because you look a bit of a mess. Like, you look more human now than you did when you had to goo yourself. Yeah. But you you look rough. It's right. obvious you, you took some damage. Yeah. And, and you're and probably limping a bit. And so you took mm-hmm. a lot of damage. I did. I did. I got really beat up, and now I'm walking back into this provincial town, and everyone's your like, bonjour, 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 yeah. bonjour, bonjour. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus, leave me alone. <laughs> Sorry, my clothes yeah. are what? They're all ripped up oh, and stuff right. like that. Yeah. 
from all the like rows of ridginess inside of the beaks. I have one glowing nipple showing through no, a rip in my tunic. No, not glowing anymore. I'll be nice to you. <laughs> okay. No nipples. It's not a kind of show. No nipple no glowing or otherwise. They don't exist. Uh, um, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have bodies by Kenner. So you make your way back to Darwin's shop, and she greets you warmly, and Saria's eyes get really big, but then she... And she just gets interested in looking at the skull. She's like, oh, wow, you know, messing with it and stuff like that. And um, Darwin, like, takes the supplies from you. She says, don't worry, this night we will make sure you rest well. We will make sure you will be better for your remaining days of leisure as you wait for the breath. Okay. So when she says that, I'll I'll raise a a finger to her as though I'm going to make a very salient point or some declaration of my uh, victory mm-hmm. and then sway a bit on my feet and fall over on my side in exhaustion. All right. So the last thing you remember as you kind of black out into this restful state <laughs> is her moving in. You think she's calling to someone and then kind of you feel people tending to you. Noise. And that is where we will go ahead and stop for today as you recover from your grievous injuries. Because I didn't change your encounter for a group. Yeah, fun fact, if you're going to fight a pack of six broken hounds by yourself as a tier one hero, uh, be aware that you're putting your life at hazard. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's so obviously going into a new system. You do a little bit of research for how to adjust it for a single player, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll talk a little bit about what I found when we do our patron-only episode. Yeah. But that's why you ended up in this state. Okay. So let's go ahead and wrap it up here then. If you are a patron, you will get access to the super secret patron feed where we do our after episode talks, talking through kind of the planning that went into it, our thoughts on what's happening, and kind of get a little silly with it. I mean, usually that's how it works. Na, 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 Getting silly with it. Na, 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 na. Um, and so there's a preview. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as always, I'm Rainy. You can find me on the internets in various locations. Check the description for a few of them. But the place it's easiest to talk to me is on Twitter. Um, I'm at Barbarian Rainy. I'm Santiago. You can hit me up on Twitter at Rangugiri, or you can check me out on YouTube at youtube.com slash Rangu. And if you wouldn't mind helping us say thank you to Jesse for gifting us with this book, do check him out on Instagram at Granpays, G-R-A-N-P-A-Y-S. And there is a link to that in the description as well. Even just going by and saying hello and letting him know you heard about him on the podcast because he's awesome and gave us a book uh, would be super cool. So please consider it um, because this is one of the ways we get new stuff to play. Yeah, I mean, it really helps out because uh, we, we don't, it, it's not necessarily uh, can't always get a new book or something like that because books are typically really affordable even on a limited budget. You know, it's yeah, a reasonable. What you get out of them. Right. Yeah. It's a reasonable cost for all the time and effort and love that goes into making them to buy a book for like 40 60 dollars it's something that is is not out of reach you can budget for it in in, the, in a lot of cases but it's it's less that and it's more like 
this wasn't even on my radar. I never would have heard of Numenera if it weren't for this. And it's been amazing so far. You probably knew all about it because you are like a <laughs> hyper nerd. Yeah. I'm like a tier one nerd. True. So you probably already knew about it, but I never heard of it. So that's another way it helps out is just putting stuff on, on our radar that we wouldn't otherwise have been exposed to. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in that regard. Yeah, and just like because we are running through so many different systems... Um, yes, we can budget for it, but getting a little bit of help with some of these is nice because we do have to get so many books to make this work. And subscriptions (laughs) to tools and stuff like that as well. It's like, it adds up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you want to support us, we do have a whole list of things on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash justbarbarianthings. Even if being a monthly patron is not the right thing for you. Um, we have a list of all the different ways that you can do things that help us out. Even if it's as little as like saying something cool about us on Twitter or leaving a review on the podcast or whatever, um, because all of those things help people find out about us and it's all, it all adds up. Yeah. So until next time, everyone spend your rage wisely. Or don't. Sometimes you have to spend all your points to beat the pack of broken hounds. Please understand, Darwin, I've taken this girl under my control. Control. <laughs> Please understand. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just p- p- like a puppet. No. You'll see these uh, strings mar- I have marionette. tied to her arms. Look <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll at their dance. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Rewind all that shit. <laughs> I mean, what kind of horror is that? Is that body horror or is that specifically for Cronenberg type of shit? Yeah, I don't think that's body horror. There's a there's a specific kind of horror that that has a name. I thought where the you know the the Lovecraftian horror, I guess, is the name yeah. for that. No, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the word right now either. And mm-hmm. so, and the like three people who listen to this podcast are like screaming at us, right. "You dummies!" <laughs> right? We'll sit bolt upright about three a.m. <laughs> tomorrow morning. It's this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair we just enough. haven't eaten yet. It's our brains don't work. Yeah. Yeah. A low on calories for the old brain piece. All right. So, stop being happy. <laughs> Go be sad. Did you almost made me laugh. Almost sprayed beer all over my fancy monitor. <laughs> and just for the record, <laughs> bitch you almost made me laugh is a shout out quote from a Kevin Smith movie, Chasing Amy. If you pick up a big old handful of dice and be like, all right, y'all ready for this? Chaka, 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 bloosh. And then count it up and open your calculator app and be like, oh shit, guys.
get ready for some crazy information. <laughs> and, and, you know, people would probably pay attention and... Probably not. Thinly skinned over... Broken hound. Thinly skinned over sort of skull. Shut up. I'm trying to talk.